Merry Christmas. It is such a gift to be with you on this holy night, worshiping together in the sanctuary, a thing that we haven't done in a couple of years, and I will never again take for granted. Tonight, I'd like to wonder with you about a very small, but perhaps important detail in the story of the first Christmas that we just heard from Luke's gospel. Admittedly, it is a detail that has captured my imagination in a new way after becoming a mother. Twice, the author of Luke's gospel mentions that Mary wrapped the baby in bands of cloth. She swaddled him. Or in other terms, she sought to replicate the comfort he enjoyed before being birthed into the world. Now, this doesn't seem too extraordinary. All parents want to provide comfort to their children, no matter their age, but especially when they are first born. But look again. Think about what happens when a baby is wrapped in bands of cloth. His arms are not available. The general helplessness of a baby is only amplified by this restrictive position. The general, symbolically, Jesus is greeted by angels and meets the very first evangelists in the form of shepherds while completely disarmed. The other most significant moment of Christ's life is also one in which he is disarmed. Hung by those who feared his authority, his clarity, his vision, Jesus' arms were nailed to the cross. So Jesus ended his life as it began, disarmed. In the two most important moments in Christ's life, he is unable to move his arms. So perhaps it's not such an insignificant detail after all. The power of the Almighty God we meet on Christmas, I wonder, I wonder if that power was limited. Or perhaps it was unlimited in a way that defied our expectations. I wonder whether we've misunderstood the difference between powerlessness and almighty power. I wonder whether it was our expectations of a God who would deliver the world from all suffering that caused us to miss the God who did something else altogether. I wonder whether God's ultimate purpose was not to do something for us, but to be with us in a new way. I wonder what the power there is to be discovered in the God who finds the concept of arms that works for others to be superfluous. There's perhaps no season more indicative of our habits of doing things for one another than Christmas. We all have that person in our lives and on our Christmas lists whom we find exceedingly difficult to buy a gift for at this time of year. For me, that person is my brother. Last year, I gave him a photo of his brand new nephew that was obscenely large in size, subconsciously willing him to find a place for my son and for us in his small apartment. Year after year, I find gifts that we've given him left behind at my parents' house, following a declaration that my mom will mail it all to him. Months, and eventually years later, the gifts remain on the shelf. It's not the gifts that matter. It's the way in which those gifts become symbols of our inability to be with one another enough to know what really matters to the other. Our holiday attempts to do things for one another 
are painful every year. Christmas is also a season of doing things for those in need. Rebuilding Together is a national nonprofit that St. Michael's partnered with for many, many years. They do really important work of bringing home neighbors, whether that's rebuilding after a disaster or rehabbing a home that has fallen into disrepair or making a home more accessible, allowing an elderly resident to age in place. Truthfully, what we encountered on rebuilding days was a challenging dynamic. Homeowners, our neighbors, had to demonstrate tremendous need to qualify. And then for a single day, the house was swarmed with people willing to do things for them. But the reality was projects needed to be sequenced in a way that didn't allow for paint to dry between coats or foundations to settle enough for a level adjustment. Our faithful project captain had several experiences of being on the receiving end of intense and difficult emotions from the homeowners. Frustrations that projects were done speedily or left incomplete at the end of the day. It was all too much. So we began to wonder whether these days that were billed as helpful didn't bury the need that was much deeper than a broken stairwell or a leaking ceiling. Being inundated one day of the year didn't make up for the fact that 364 days a year, they had no one to call. I wonder if a huge piece of what was missing for these homeowners was a community to do life with every other day of the year. One of my favorite parts of the holiday season is the feasting that happens with family. However, these holiday meals have tremendous potential to create hurt feelings only because we artificially raise the stakes so high. We've all been to that meal, never at our own home, of course, but that meal hosted by a relative where the tension was palpable when you walked in the door. I remember a meal when the host was so intent on serving at the appointed time that we said the prayer and started eating without the host's sister-in-law who was running late with the main dish. When she finally did arrive, her feelings were so hurt that she put her food on the buffet and turned around and left. It was a heartbreaking reminder that our best attempts to do things for one another often are the thing that creates a barrier to be with one another. At Christmas, we learn that God is not nearly as focused on doing things for us and for one another as we are. This baby wrapped in bands of cloth, epitomizes the gift of love that is shared simply with his presence. God absolutely could have chosen to do things for us. From the beginning, God enlisted Adam to name the animals. God could have done that himself. Jesus's ministry involved a small amount of doing things for people, healing and feeding, but mostly, go back and read all of the gospels, mostly, Jesus spent time being with people, and teaching them the value of being with one another. At the end of his life, Jesus is once again disarmed, disrupting our final understanding of what it should look like for a Savior to do something for us. Every step of the way, God has chosen to be the type of Lord who does things with us instead. Or as one scholar put it, for is a fine word, 
But it does not dismantle resentment. It doesn't overcome misunderstanding. It doesn't deal with alienation. It doesn't overcome isolation. The gift of Christmas comes to us in the disarming love of Christ, which demonstrates the almighty power of God. It doesn't look anything like a wrapped gift, a chaotic service project, or a family meal full of tension. It looks like the embrace of new parents who can't take their eyes off their child. It looks like an invitation to a neighbor who would otherwise be alone on Christmas. It looks like a meal where the carrots are slightly burned and the meat is a bit too dry, but all around the table lose track of time, delighting in one another's presence. It looks like a baby wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. The gift of Christmas is rediscovering our purpose as a people who live not to do things for one another, but as a people who strive to be with one another, just as our Lord and Savior did long and long ago on this most special night, wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. Amen.